You're listening to AD Profile. This chat was recorded live in front of an audience at Enco Coworking Space in Jersey City as part of AD Live, a monthly fireside chat series featuring local luminaries produced and presented to you by AD Magazine. Located on the second floor of Charles & Co., ENCO is Jersey City's premier social and cultural workplace. Designed for the passionate and productive, ENCO is a place where people can dream bigger, work better, and imagine more. Your host is the creative director of 80, Marino Montales. Enjoy the show. Uh, thank you for coming. For those of you who don't know, or know me, my name is Marino. I'm the creative director of 80. Um, if you haven't seen it, these are my four beautiful children. Here they are. This is the latest one. Um, so this past August, I think some of you were at my launch party. Uh, we released uh, the fourth issue that we call the escape issue. Um, again, if you haven't seen it, it's 16 beautiful pages dedicated to Wonderless. So if you haven't picked up a copy, they're, I think, everywhere. I hope everywhere. Otherwise, I have to fire my fiance, who's like the distributor guy. But um, So this event is an effort to bring each issue to life. Um, we come out quarterly, so we try to stay relevant, and this is um, one of them, one of the ways, I guess. Okay, I'm going to breathe. Oh, it says pause for applause. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> A little, I should have like brought like one of those like applause sign. Um, so every month we're going to talk about uh, topics that orbit the, uh, around the current issue of the magazine with guests from you know Jersey City. Um, but before we get started, I have a few people to give props to for helping me make this possible. Um, I want to thank my roommate Lauren, who's that PYT over there, who is helping me man or woman the bar tonight. Um, I hope you're giving her tips. There's no tip jar. That's my bad. Sorry. Um, right here? Yeah. And my audio guy, Jeff, uh, from Cobra Sound. There he is. Um, <clears throat> I want to thank you for making sure that we sound great tonight because not only that we're launching 80 Live tonight, we're also... Uh, recording this talk live. Oh my god, I totally forgot. I hope I'm not like moving too much. Um, we're recording this live because we're also, uh, it's going to be archived later uh, for our brand new podcast called 80 Profiles. Yeah. Pause for applause. Um, so that's what millennials do, so that's why I'm starting a podcast. Uh, <laughs> So for those of you who are here tonight and your friends wanted to come but they couldn't make it, you can tell them that they could uh, check out this talk uh, later. It just sucks that they don't have free wine while they're listening to it. But, um, and they're not going to witness the show and tell portion of it, which we'll get to later. And lastly, I'm very, very grateful to Brianna Wilkins, Eric Silverman, and the rest of the ENCO team for giving us this fabulous space to be the home for 80 Live every month. And if you haven't had the chance to tour the space while you guys, when you guys arrived, um, you can grab Rowan, that handsome lad over there with the sheep shirt sweater, um, to ask him to give you guys a tour. Um, and, or they're going to have an open house on Saturday from 1 to 5 p.m. if you guys are interested to see the space and know more about the membership. I am a member, and 
this is like my second home. Um, so thank you again, Brianna and Enco team for having us here. Thank you guys for coming um, and for your continued support for the magazine. And now our first guest. Hi guys. <laughs> <laughs> our first guest comes from a very heavy media and travel background. Um, and I could not have asked for a better first guest for this topic. Um, joining me tonight is Jeremy Vuray, who leads the brand strategy and public relations efforts for the Mandarin Oriental Hotel Group as the director of communications. And But prior to that, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Jeremy has over eight years of experience developing and carrying out lifestyle PR initiatives for several tourism uh, companies like Visit Britain and other European destinations like Amsterdam, Antwerp, Valencia. Vienna and Zurich, just to name a few. So long story short, this man is fluent in the language of travel. He is hashtag all about that life. So, oh, and before we get started, if you guys want to tweet or Instagram about this talk, these are the you know relevant handles. So it says pause for applause. So let me welcome Jeremy. Okay. I think I need just one more. Great intro, Marinelle. Yeah, I hope that's correct. (laughs) Okay, uh, let me just start by saying that this year was actually really good for me for travel. Um, I was, um, I wanted to share that I was in Spain in the summer. I saw Barcelona and Mallorca, and I went to Dea for a wedding with my roommate Lauren. And then I was also in Charleston, uh, South Carolina, for a a weekend it was for a bachelorette party but it's a very cute town like and i think it was like the bachelorette capital of the united states of america like there were 50 other bachelorette parties happening that weekend because they were all wearing sashes and like you know tiaras and i was just in greece um a few weeks ago i was there with my fiance we saw athens and mykonos and santorini Okay, maybe that's not like sharing, that's my kind of like bragging, but no, it's only because like I never really get to travel. Um, I would go uh, a year or two without really seeing anywhere else but like Jersey City or New York, which is, you know, also awesome. But um, it's because I have a bank account the size of a Knott's wallet, if they don't even have wallets. But so I don't have any money, so, but you on. Uh, on the other hand, get paid to travel. So yeah. I guess I'll start with um, the $80 million question. How did you get into travel as your line of work? You get paid to do it, correct? Yes, I, I, I do. Um, but really, like, the, the general interest of travel really started just growing up as a kid, mm-hmm. going to the Philippines every summer. It's where my, my family's from. Um, so ever up until about high school, we would go probably every every two summers and spend the, uh, you know, months on end uh, with our family there. So I just remember, you know, growing up in the summers of Philadelphia, going to somewhere so different like the Philippines was this totally different environment. And I just remember going back and forth from my mom's villages and my dad's villages and villages, villages, yeah. villages. exactly. Those they were, were like tiny, things. well, we call them barrios or right, barangays exactly. in the Philippines. And, uh, yeah, just like my, my grandmother would grow chickens and graze pigs uh, next to her house and uh, my dad's family home. The backyard literally was, was the ocean. Um, so for me, it was a huge change. And so I guess that was 
when I knew travel was a, an interest for me mm-hmm. um, because I was completely transported. And, and as a kid, you know, it's it's exciting and it's and it's really really fun. But is it has it like the, your career in travel has it always been like I I'm going to school for journalism or media and then I want to get into travel or is it all fortuitous? Is it like did you, you just got into it some somehow? It's not. Did you plan to be in this? Uh, absolutely not. I did not plan to work in travel at all. I actually started um, as a biochemistry major in college. I've always wanted to be a doctor, like every good Filipino son should be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that lasted for about like half a semester, and then I realized, you know, journalism, writing, telling stories—that's really what kind of you know made me excited and made me really. Uh, Excited to be in that line of work, so mm-hmm. I. So you switched. Did you switch majors? I did. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So I went straight into journalism, uh, knowing that I, I love to write, and um, I took some of the classes, and then I, yeah, I ended up graduating with a journalism degree. And while I was in college, actually, I just to extend my passion for travel. I, for sure, made it a point to study abroad, and I studied abroad for a summer mm-hmm. in Turkey. Uh, which is one of my favorite destinations ever. It's just really unfortunate what's going on in the country right now, but um, you know they're a resilient people, so I feel like it'll pick up hopefully soon. Uh, but yeah, I think studying abroad, traveling, that was all part of the sort of my college educational experience. And your first job out of college was? Was actually, I, I found it mm-hmm. online uh, on monster.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, it brought me to New York, and I worked as an account coordinator for a small PR firm that, coincidentally, they uh, covered travel clients. So I worked on accounts like the Tourism Board for New Zealand, St. Vincent and the Grenadines in the Caribbean, uh, a Tahitian Airlines. So as this, like, basically, quote-unquote, kid out of college, I'm, like, working on these awesome accounts, and that only propelled my interest in travel, like, that, that much more. But how did you get those gigs? Was it just like surely by luck? I mean, in that uh-huh. case, it was just you know shooting my resumes out and then seeing like the first thing that you know I got an interview for. So okay, um, I actually saw on your Instagram that recently they, you were at the Condé Nast um, building for their what was it like their awards for? It was their uh, annual Reader's Choice Awards. Okay, yeah. and um, Mandarin Oriental Paris and Tokyo, where. Number one in their mm-hmm. respective regions. Mad props to those hotels because there's so much competition in terms of hotels out there. So our Men in Oriental Paris won number one hotel in Paris, which is nice. really amazing because I don't know if any of you, I'm sure many of you have been to Paris already, but the hotel product in that city is, it's insane. I mean, you have every brand under the sun. So for us to get number one is really good. And then our hotel in Tokyo was named number one hotel in Northern Asia. Did you have a heavy hand on that, like make, make, getting that accomplishment? I mean, I th- kind of indirectly, I would say, because mm-hmm. those awards really are based off of reader's choice. Because that's what you know, that's what they're they're pegged as, and right. it really is about Condé Nast traveler readers voting about their favorite destinations, their favorite airlines, favorite hotels. But you know, the way that I work in my line of work with communications, it's about sharing that story about our brand to the consumer through the media, through digital, through print, through social. And so we would like to think that those readers read about Mandarin Oriental and then in turn, you know, looked at the survey, thought about, oh, well, you know, I've read about that or I've been to a Mandarin Oriental property and so I'm going to vote for them. So, yeah. So you mean they haven't even stayed at the hotel? 
There's, it's all kind of like based on just. It's based reading. off of yeah the the, the readership. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So tell me more about your day to day job at Mandarin Oriental. So my day to day really consists of honestly constant communication with our PR agencies that represent us around the world. All of our individual hotels. We have 29 of them right now and growing. Um, and it's really about strategizing with them about how to best tell the story of our brand to the media. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just working on you know launch campaigns for new hotel openings, or you know just recently our hotel in Washington D.C. Uh, renovated all 300 plus you know guest rooms, uh, which is really timely with the election going on. But we're not going to go there about the okay. election. Um, so yeah, so it's about working with sort of the, the meat of the story and how can we basically shape it and mold it for these editors from top magazines, top blogs, influencers, to entice them to essentially cover our hotels uh, in, in all those ty- types of medium. And does that mean you're always, you're mostly home or are you away all the time? I mean, it honestly really varies. It depends on what the project's going like, happening. Um, but I would say on average probably you know, once every quarter. So that would be things like uh, going out uh, to different cities for media events to just to raise the awareness about our brand. Uh, could be hotel photo shoots if there's a new hotel opening or if there's, you know, the restaurant got a huge refurbishment. We call in our corporate photographer to, to shoot the photography and I'm there to help supervise the shoot schedule and make sure that everything looks just awesome. That sounds perfect. Awesome. It's awesome. It's also very exhausting too, but yeah, yeah, for sure. From a from a visual sort of design mm-hmm. background, you get to style the way that it looks and all keeping in mind who our ultimate consumer is, the ultimate Mandarin Oriental guest, I would say. Yeah. And what would you know what would resonate with them because visuals are, are everything now. I mean mm-hmm. Um, and then we also go, you know, every once, uh, once every year to London to our corporate office there because that's where our group director brand communications is located. So at least sort of powwow um, midway through the year to plan for the following year. So um, before you got into working in travel, you were obviously traveling. So what is the difference between, I guess, like aspirational travel and mandatory travel now that you have to like go away for work? Like how would you... Describe what do you, I mean, I was going to ask, what do you enjoy more? I kind of like know what the answer is, but like, tell me. (laughs) Not working while traveling. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it's a really tough balance, I think. I think, um, you know, there's so much out there in terms of, you know, what we see online or just like read about. And it wants you to just kind of like book that ticket and just go. Like, I definitely have... You know, I, there's some people here in the audience who I, my family, friends who they like to just take these spontaneous trips and you know go to Marrakesh or go to Barcelona and you know that's all fine and dandy. But also when you're working, I think it's also you know it's not as enjoyable to be honest because you know the the fact of the matter is I think a lot of people think that travel is this really glamorous job. We get the jet set and you know. But you always fly a business class. Uh, no. No. Oh. No, girl. <laughs> Guys, I am actually you shocked. Know, we are very cost conscious at Manor right. Oriental. Okay. Um, okay. You know, here and there, we, yeah, here and there. It depends on, you know, how long, you know, the flight okay. is. Right. Uh, if the budget's there. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, the, 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 the trade off is when you stay at a Manor Oriental, you, you know, you just, it's ultimate five star luxury all the way through and through. So, you know, that's a trade off if you, if you fly, um, 
an economy. Right. Um, but as a shorter person, I feel like economy is like business. Oh, like you yeah. can stretch out your legs. And <laughs> you have like an entire apartment you know if you're like is. in business yes. for your size. Yes, yes, yes. So, like, does anyone want to join me? Like, go to economy class. Um, okay. Uh, what, tell me about the most memorable place that your job has taken you to. Oh, I mean, I've, I've, I've traveled quite a bit, especially in the past two years. Um, it's a hard one. So, okay, so hands down, Brazil, I mean, for sure. Has, has anyone been to Brazil here? I mean, Ugh, I've it's, never been. it's amazing. Do you say Brazil? Brazil, Sao Paulo. It's really, and, and not just because mm. I feel like the Olympics did a great job in terms of raising, from a brand perspective, raising the awareness of Brazil as a destination. I mean, it's just so stunning, Rio de Janeiro, insanity. I mean, I, I go there every two years for, for work um, because since we don't have a hotel down in Brazil or in South America, for that matter, uh, we always do media events, meet with our top press to just continually to make them aware of who we are uh, because the Brazilians are, uh, they're really attuned to luxury, the luxury market and they love Manor Oriental hotels. They love to go to New York to... Paris to Las Vegas even. They're now even extending into Asia with new routes to Hong Kong, so uh, it's good business for us, but in terms of the destination, mm. I mean, we always go to Sao Paulo and Rio, and gosh, I, I don't even know where to begin with this. I mean, Sao Paulo is so gritty. The art scene's amazing. The food is, is incredible. I would say it's sort of like the New York of Brazil, whereas Rio ah. de Janeiro is just West Coast, like Malibu, just like amazing coastline. Christ the Redeemer is like up at the the, the, the mountaintop right, slipping you over you. Sorry, I'm sorry. sorry. <laughs> okay, um, tell me more. But yeah, and I, I think they're just a really warm people. And I think So often you go to Brazil? Uh, every two years. Yeah. Uh, and I always try to tack on maybe but know, if I have only for work years. or do you usually go there for pleasure too? Well, I mean, for, for work, I mean, it's, it's, I think to me it's a quite an investment to go down there just for flights alone, and also you have to apply for a visa if you're going down to Brazil, just That's right. in case if you're planning to go there. Um, so it, there is an expense to that. So, you know, luckily the, my, my job covers it, but I always try to, you know, if I can, take, you know, one or two days of just leisure travel to tack it on the, at the beginning of my trip or, or at the end. And there's actually even, like, this whole trend of, business travelers taking leisure time is called leisure. I mean, you know, it's all these like, you know, hot words, keywords and everything. Leisure. Exactly. Okay. Leisure. And, and, you know, there's, there's studies to, to back that up. I mean, there's a report from Bridge Street Global Hospitality that says 60% of business travelers actually take leisure trips and 30% of those travelers actually tack on at least two additional days. So you know for sure that people are recognizing that it's an opportunity, I mean, to do some leisure time when you're traveling for work. But also, I mean, personally for me, it's, it's a good way to relieve the stress of business travel because let me tell you, it does get very, very stressful. Yeah. yeah. And so when you get sent to uh, destinations uh, from your job, how, how much of it is working? Do you get to spend any time at all by yourself to just like do some, you know, sightseeing? Yeah, I mean, and it really all depends on what, I guess, sort of the schedule is for, for, for the meetings. I mean, yeah. oftentimes it's, you know, 9 a.m. to 6 p.m., and then you have dinners with your colleagues, and, it's, and that's all great because, you know, you get to meet face-to-face with colleagues that you probably don't see very often, but, um, you know, that's where sort of like that leisure notion comes in when you're able to take that extra day. It's just, for myself, I just love exploring on my own and walking around. I mean, 
I usually throw the the guide maps away and just sort of have an idea. Okay, well today I want to just look at coffee shops, or I just want to look at cool boutiques. Like where are the neighborhoods in these cities that I go to, and then sort of kind of explore from from there. Right. Um, and tell me what your least favorite thing is about travel or working in travel. Uh, well, when it comes to to business travel, the the least thing I like about it is it's it's keeping track of all my receipts for my finance, oh, for my expense reports. You have to pay for it. Well, to get reimbursed, well, don't you, know. you get like a company credit card? We do. Okay, we do. Thankfully, we do because I, I couldn't even imagine like waiting for my my, yeah. to my money to get back. But uh, yeah. I um, it is really about keeping receipts together, and I try to have a little plastic baggie with me, and mm-hmm. uh, you know keep all my, my receipts together. I swear, like, my finance team probably hates me because I always forget. But there are things like, you know, if you don't have to take a taxi, take an Uber, so the Uber can just, you know, email that receipt straight to your, you know. But they're inbox. not like, okay, make sure you take the subway instead of taking an Uber. Or mm, you can do whatever you want. I mean, you can just, because you, yeah. you can get reimbursed. I mean, personally, for me, I like to take public transportation if, as much as I can in different cities because I feel like, then you're really truly living like a local, and that's the best advice. I mean, if you're going to uh, on a work trip and you really want to experience it, do it like a local does. And so, you know, go on the subway, go on the metro, um, you know, get lost if you can. Because to be honest, that's the fun of it all. At the end of the day, so keeping receipts is your least favorite. Absolutely, yes. Is I mean, if I'm working in travel, my least favorite would probably be working in travel. <laughs> Because I would just like want to go there and explore. Yeah, I mean, it definitely but no one is wants like to know. you know when you're stuck in this meeting room all day, and like God help you if you ha- if you don't have any windows in that meeting room, it is very yeah. It's 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 very it's it's a tease. It's a tease that you can't go out and explore while you're you know strategizing about you know PR and communication plans. Yeah, and you mentioned earlier um, social media and like working with influencers. Um, how have you? Um, how do you adapt to the new age of marketing? And did social media impact travel like on a personal or professional level? I think on a, on a professional level, I mean, just from purely PR and communications perspective, digital is, well, digital means more opportunity to tell your story, more opportunity for content, for visuals. Uh, that could, it makes it hard, but it also makes it interesting and it, it forces you to, Think of creative ways to tell the story of your brand, um, and it really that that goes far beyond the travel and luxury industry. It goes mm-hmm. across all all industries. Um, but I think for social in particular, you know, for for us at, at at our company, it's it's a whole new audience. I mean, our company is known for 21st century luxury. It's it's heritage brand, but you know, how do we push the needle forward in terms of right. digital? And in my mind, it really is to engage with people who are, you know, influential in that space. And I mm-hmm. think in terms of social, yes, influencers, they're great because they give that our, us access to that new audience. Um, there are really ways now to measure uh, their, your, the engagement with your brand and with their followers. But um, for Mandarin, is that like the demographic that you guys are after in terms of just like... Are these the people who are using Instagram or Twitter? Are they the ones who are ready to spend on like a luxury hotel like Mandarin Oriental? I mean, I think it's definitely an, an emerging market for us. I mean, is it our 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 go to target audience? Probably not, because you know we've been around for a long time. 
We do attract a lot of business travelers, a lot of luxury travelers. But in a way, in, in this day and age, as we go into 2017, those type of people are startups, tech executives mm-hmm. who are in their you know early, late 20s, early 30s, who are very active on social, but also have the you know the the financial uh, ability to to stay at a hotel like ours. You've mentioned luxury travel so many times. What is what is it? Are there like yeah. levels of? I mean, I know budget travel because I travel on a budget. But is that like a tier? Like, what is luxury travel? I mean, that's a really good question. Um, mm. I think. Is that something yeah. that every person in this room can? Is it all aspirational? Is it something that we can? I don't know. Is it like a lifestyle that we can all like get to at some point? Or oh, I think so for sure. I mean. I, to be honest, no matter what your, your price point is, there are aspects of luxury travel that are, are accessible. And I think it all kind of boils down to what does luxury mean to you? You know, does it mean five-star hospitality? Does it mean Michelin-starred restaurants? Or does it mean being treated like, you know, a part of, you know, a hotel's family? Like, when I, I think for, for us, like, legendary services is the cornerstone of, of our company. Why? Because... When you're welcomed and greeted by somebody at the hotel, they'll probably know their, you by your first name. And like that, mm. to me, that is ultimate luxury. And that kind of, I guess, like makes us stand out, of the, out from the other, I guess, like luxury markets. But for me, experiencing luxury, the, the physical aspect of it, like I, I just see it all the time. But it's that sort of intangible kind of moment that makes it true luxury. Mm. Um, so you oversee a lot of Mandarin's new hotel openings. So that's, that must mean that you know the trends in travel. I've been hearing that Croatia is like the next big yes. destination. But yeah, yeah. what can you tell us like what the, what's the next trending destination is? Well, first, from just a, a development standpoint, our, our next opening is in Doha and Qatar, uh, which is going to be our first hotel in the Middle East. So to, to us, it's interesting because the Middle East is a really big market for us. We didn't necessarily pick Dubai as our first uh, Middle East opening, uh, just because we feel like Doha is a rapidly growing city. Um, the Middle East in general, I think it's, it attracts business, it attracts leisure travelers. Uh, but in Doha specifically, where the hotel is going to be centrally located, is it's right across the street from the, the Supwa Kif, which is like the cultural gem of the city. So you have like traditional artisanal goods, art galleries, like a lot of events happen there. So I feel like the Middle East is sort of like, well, destinations like Doha in the Middle East are sort of like the, the next new trend, I think. I personally haven't been to the Middle East, and it's, like mm. on, it's definitely on the, the next uh, destination on, on, my, on my list. What else? I'm, trying to, I'm planning um, a trip to um, Iceland for yes. February because I need to see the Northern Lights. I'll go with you. Okay, you are want. you going to put me up? A, is there a Mandarin Oriental there? No, we don't Okay, then I don't want to go anymore. Then you don't want to go. <laughs> what happens to the whole budget travel? We can just you're hostel right, it, You're right, you're yeah. right. Hostel. I've yeah. never gone to ho- done hostels before, but like, what's the advantage except that it's cheap? I think it's, I mean, you get to meet a lot of people and, you know, it's... But if you're like me, I'm an introvert. I, like, probably won't approach anyone. It's a good way to push yourself. And, okay. You know. <laughs> I don't know. I was actually at this um, magazine event on Tuesday. It's a Stack magazine. It's a distributor, uh, online distributor for independent magazines. And I went there and it, I was just, like, laughing inside because it's, like, all founders of, like, cool independent magazines, like 80, um, 
And I was like looking around and every single person are introverts. Like all cool, I mean, I'm not saying I'm cool and creative, but they're all just like, they don't want to like, they're just like looking around or like, you know, no one wants to approach one another, but anyway, just like a side note. Um, But but in that case too, I think when you're, if you're an introvert and you're, you're in a new destination, I mean, and you're with other introverts, like I feel like the, just the whole concept of travel will sort of like pull you together in, in some way. I don't know, you know? Yeah, I'll probably stay in my room if I did a hostel or, I don't know. What's your worst travel experience as, like, a, a leisure traveler? Oh, worst travel experience. I mean... Oh, you know mine? I'm sharing mine. Sorry to cut you off. No, yeah, go, go for it. Go I actually had my um, visa... Sorry, I'm a, I didn't have a U.S. passport for, like, I mean, the longest time. I had it, like, two years ago. And I was going to France. I was actually going to meet Chadner. And I like, got my Airbnb. I booked my flight. And I went to the um, French embassy. And they're like, you can't go. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like, you don't have enough money to stay there. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like, you need like $100 at least per day to like go there. I'm like, but I will have money. I'm like, no, you can't go. They denied me of a visa. And I lost my Airbnb and my freaking flight. That's why visas are... I did not go. Visas are very And then the first yeah. time that I got a U.S. passport, my first destination I wanted to go to was Brazil, where you still needed a visa. It was like, I can't win. Anyway. <laughs> What's your worst travel <laughs> experience? No one feels no. sorry for me. They're like, oh, girl, you're dumb. You're like, you should have saved money. No, that's like... Yeah, that's... I well, I didn't know. So like, I mean, I guess like you submit your bank accounts and they're like... They looked at my bank account. Well, I mean, I was, I'm a freelancer, so I don't make a lot of money, but like... You're like, you're like short $100. You're going to be there for like the seventh day and you're, you can only like go there for six. Yeah. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like, anyway, what's yours? I, mean, I think I'm just trying to think. Like off the top of my head, I feel like when I, when I studied abroad in, in, in Istanbul in Turkey, uh, I was like, I was young. I was like 16, 17 years old. He's so. 19 now. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Filipinos look really young. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, like I, I remember I got, and my sister is here, she probably remembers this, I, I got deathly sick, like, so, oh. I don't know what I ate, I mean, I, but of course, like, I was eating all this treat meat, I can see, like, oh my god, this right. is so delicious, the spices are amazing, not like, you know, knowing, like, okay, well, maybe I might get something, so I did get something, and I was just so terribly sick, and it was really bad, because I was, I remember going to a clinic with my, with my professor, and I just had no idea what was going on, like, people were speaking Turkish and my Turkish was like really bad at the time. Like I just knew good morning and hello and like, you know, how are you and taxi please or something like that. <laughs> and I was just like, oh God, I just hope I feel better. And to top all off, it was the same day that my, the rest of my classmates were going to like the place that I, I really wanted to go to, which was like a museum or something like that. And I felt like just so, I remember feeling so bad. I'm like, oh my God, of all the days, like I had to get sick. So that was the, the worst part of it. And it was towards the end. Well, it was towards the end of my trip. Yeah. So, um, you know, I didn't really miss that much. But, yeah. yeah, being sick while you're traveling is never a fun thing. No. Um, it's also hard to avoid that. Cause, you know, it you is. You have to be very careful. But then, I, to me, then, you, it kind of takes away from the experience of it, just, like, taking a chance, you know, while you're traveling. And I think that, that's, like, the, that's an important thing when you're, when you're on the road. And, you know, yeah, our last... Night in Greece, John injured his foot, my fiance, and which was, I mean, not great that it happened, but it great happened that it happened on the the last day because he could not walk. Like airport transfers was like we missed our flight, 
Well, not because of it, maybe because of it. But anyway, um, if you can invent one thing that would make travel easier and better for people, what would it be? Oh, gosh. Like an actual, um, maybe an actual product. I mean, it doesn't have to be an actual product. Well, I think you have to think about like, okay, well, what, yeah, what bothers me, what irritates me the most? And I think, about, I always automatically think about airports and just like, oh, it's just so stressful. Mm-hmm. And the most irritating for me thing for me is when you're just like, you're getting off the plane, you feel disgusting, you yeah. just want to go back to your hotel or to your, you know, wherever you're going to go. And you're just like waiting at baggage claim, just hours mm-hmm. on end, just looking at black bag after black bag, going down the carousel and making you nauseous, looking at the, you know, the baggage claim carousel. So I think that it would be really cool to invent an app if you just like sort of have a GPS tracker on your luggage. That way you know when it's going on the plane with you, that you know, they're not, the airline's not going to lose your luggage. Is it there had, one already? Is there? It doesn't have that. It follows you around the airport. It follows? It's like a Oh. Well, that's... That's kind of creepy. Yeah. You invented it. You don't have to look for it. It'll look for you. Well, you would have it on your phone, like a little oh. GPS thing. And so, yeah, that would be kind of cool to track it. And then, you know, when you get to the baggage claim, it'll show you like an estimated, you know, wait time of when your bag comes. You know, the nice. New York City subways have it. Why can't have it for the airports? Yeah. My favorite invention, and I filed this under things I wish I came up with, was the pillow with the hoodie. Yo, like Sky that's, Mall. <laughs> I know, sure, for yeah. real. Like I, that's that like keeps you away from like everyone else. It's not just like a pillow. It's like you know your own room because you're flying cocoon. economy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. We're so antisocial on planes, aren't we? We're just like yeah. yeah. I don't know actually if I've ever talked to anyone next to me on a plane. There was one time that I asked um, this girl if she could switch with John because John and I weren't sitting next to each other. And uh, I was like, oh, is it okay if, you, if my fiancé sits here and then you sit over there? I'm like, okay, but can I stay here? I'm like, no, that, that's not what I asked. I said, you can switch here, so you, you can't stay here. So you have to be very strategic about your, your seating arrangements on the plane. Yeah, um, which I have a question about that in our, um, oh. our rapid fire. Shh, you're supposed to be a secret. Yes, right. <laughs> um, okay, what is your favorite life-changing travel hack? Life-changing. Life, life-changing. Um, I it's life changing, but it's kind of a little thing that I do every time I travel. Is uh, when I stay in hotels, I literally look in. I look in every nook and cranny in the drawers and the closet to find those little free items you can bring home with you. So, like, even if it's in like slippers, or my personal favorite is like little mini like shoe shine kits. Like, there's one that actually looks like a compact, and you you know you unscrew what it. What hotel do you stay in? I only get Bibles. <laughs> Bibles. <laughs> I, I have a collection. Too, yeah, good, good, good airplane <laughs> yeah, reading. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like they're they're cool because it's like it's like this compact and you open it up and on the lid there's this uh, sponge and there's built-in wax and just you know do a little brush up when you're going on a fancy dinner or going to like a work meeting and put it in your pocket. Nice. Yeah. But okay. there's always hidden treasures. I mean, I know whenever I go and oh, gosh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get killed to say this, but when I when I stay at Manor Rancho hotels, they have the best toiletries ever like what ever. is what brand do they have on? i mean they, it ranges from like so like in paris we have diptyque which is an amazing French mm-hmm. um we have uh, what else aqua de parma i think that's one that's in some of our other hotels but yeah really really great stuff um 
And so, yeah, I just like packed that all in, asked the house, you know, housekeeping, oh, right. I ran out of my, my like, hand lotion. Like, yeah, you're like, like you're, my you shampoo. request more. And you're like, you just got here. I'm like, yeah, but I'm out. Yeah, exactly. You know? So you're just like packing. It's really kids. clean. Yeah. yeah, I like like to shower five times a day. <laughs> um, um, what would be your advice to young professionals who want to pursue career uh, in travel? Um, I mean, honestly, in travel, there there are so many fields of travel to go into. You can do public relations, you can do sales, maybe go into operations if you want to run it, a run physically, like, you know, run like hospitality. The, the company in hospitality. Yeah. Um, so the list goes on and on, but I, I feel like to be successful in trying to get your, your, your foot in the door in travel, you have to hone in on what exactly you want to do, um, which can be really challenging sometimes. Does that mean you have to be well-traveled already? Not necessarily. I mean, I think you mm-hmm. have to have that sense of wanderlust or that genuine excitement about travel. Because, I mean, essentially that's going to drive you through those long, hard days of whatever you're going to be doing in the travel industry. Because at the end of the day, you're going to kind of realize, oh, well, this is, it's, all, it's not all for naught. Like, you're doing this because it's your, it's your passion. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it definitely is in my case. So, yeah. What's, like, the best lesson that you've learned? Is there, do you have, like, a mentor that you, like, passed on a, a little yeah. nugget to you? Yeah, I mean, my mentor was, um, was actually my, my boss when I was working at Visit Britain. Um, that really was uh, when I, I kind of cr- like just crafted like my PR sort of skills and how it relates to tourism and, and travel. Um, and I was so young at the time, and I was just this sponge at like just like everything they said. I'm like, oh, that's so cool! Like, I'll totally do it. Yeah, like I'll write the press release. And mm-hmm. um, he was really a, a guiding force in my career. Um, and yeah, like I. I try to keep keep in touch with him. I, I think he's he's back here um, in the city, but yeah, he just was a very smart man that that knew a lot that that who knew a lot of people. Because I think in in the travel communications industry, it's all about who you know and the connections mm. that you can make. Um, so how do you even get you know to that point? If let's say I'm a writer and I want to get into travel writing, like do I just find people? And get into, I mean, I guess like, you know, you rub my back, I rub yours kind of thing. I mean, I, this, is, this really is very, very cliche, but it's true, is that it's all about networking. And the travel industry, especially in the New York area, is super, super close-knit and tight. So if you know somebody, it's really a, a great high chance that they know somebody that, that you also know, and it just kind of goes from there. Because um, you usually guys take trips together. Yeah, 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 yeah. And also just, you know, working with other PR professionals from other hotel, from other hotel groups um, as part of our job. And we have to be in contact with journalists all the time. So, you know, Chadner, who's, Mm -hmm. you know, your colleague at 80, he's one of the most amazing travel writers out there. Uh, So not only are we personal friends, but... He's not here because he is traveling. Yes. Uh, He's somewhere in like Europe right now. He's going to be in Milan next week or something. Yeah. my eyes are going to fall off from, like, rolling. But, you know, here we are talking about travel, so, yeah. you know. Uh, but I think, yeah, like, so those connections that you make with journalists and everything like that, it all sort of, lead, like, one thing leads to another. I mean, he can give me sort of insider tips and trends as well um, mm-hmm. because you just have to know both sides of, of the industry. I mean, when we work with the media, we have to kind of put ourselves in the media's shoes, you know, understand when deadlines really, what deadlines really mean, mm-hmm. um, basically anticipating their story before they even think about it. 
So that's kind of our job in terms of the PR. Is that right? Because don't you like do a PR release, which you have a, a, a crafted message already? Yeah, but I mean, I think it's like in terms of you know shaping that pitch so that mm-hmm. it's kind of just like ready to go for that individual editor. Because that's part of our job too, is to know sort of the idiosyncrasies of you know what really resonates with an editor. Like, oh, are they really interested in spa? Or are they really interested in you know restaurants? So we can kind of spin that story for them so that it'll really make sense for them to actually write about it. Yeah. I wanted to jump into our uh, lightning round, but I want to ask you what your favorite uh, hotel is, or spa hotel, before we get into spa that. Spa hotel? Yeah. Ah, uh, um, well, I hate to say this, I'm not, I'm not a really huge spa person, actually. I get really ticklish, so whenever someone touches me, I'm like, ah! Yeah. So, so like, you've never spa done treatment. one of those, like, fish... Oh no, no 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 no! That would be like You're that would be that would be, tor- that would be torture for me. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I'm kicking all the fish yeah. are like flopping around on the floor. Um, uh, well, I mean, gosh. Well, at Mandarin we have really really great spas, but I don't know. I, I think well, when I was working for Visit Britain, um, there's a really famous uh, historic spa town called Bath, or some oh. of our colleagues call it Bath. Bath. And um, Bath. They have, they have Bath. Yeah, Bath. They have uh, thermal spas. Um, mm-hmm. And so I remember doing yeah, pretty kind of like low-key spa, spa experience there. And that was really cool because it was a historic town. I think just the fact of being in a quote-unquote spa town that's mm-hmm. you know, renowned for, for that uh, was cool. And it, and it was kind of a gentle massage, yeah, not like deep tissue. Yeah, yeah that's, that doesn't... That doesn't that, that doesn't can't. I That's can't. Not, you're not about that life. No. Okay. <laughs> um, we're going to jump into the rapid fire round. I okay. thought it would be fun to like ask you these questions. Well, so I guess it has to be like really, really fast, right? Because it's rapid fire. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, aisle or window? Window. You have to be faster than okay, that, girl. Okay, okay. <laughs> you have no time to think. Okay. Hotel or Airbnb? Hotel. Shower or bathtub? Shower. Books or magazines? Oh, magazines. Snow or sand? Sand. Postcard or souvenir? Oh, souvenir for sure, yeah. Breakfast out or room service? Breakfast out. Mini bar or hotel bar? Mini bar. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's like, it sounds expensive. <laughs> you like rack up all this. Airport style, dress up or down? Down. Wing or tail? I don't know why it's on my list. Wing or tail? Wing or tail? On the, on the plane. Oh, um, I don't think everyone no one picks. Well, apparently, I think, okay. is they say the wing, because I think that's where it's the least disruptive in terms of the rocking of the plane. Turbulence, okay. Yeah, so wing. Okay. Check-in or carry-on? Check-in. Nice. Really? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I think the reason why it's because, um, even though as much as I hate waiting for the baggage to come in the baggage claim, I, I just can't possibly put all of my stuff just like on the carry-on, and I'm also because very, you mostly travel for, for business. Yeah, and I'm also particular about like what I bring, like toiletry-wise, and you know I'm not the type of person that would not bring anything and then like buy it there, for example, or like do the little bottles. I think I'm just lazy, and I just put the huge bottle of like you know shampoo in my check. That's huge. <laughs> I guess we're gonna open the floor for questions. I have a mic here. Hello. Hello. Um, so when you pack. Would you say roll or fold? Oh, I should have that had that in my rapid yeah, fire. Yeah, that was a good rapid fire question. Um, I actually like to fold because I feel like you can you know, really press down as much as you can. She's, she's not her head over there. Yeah, you probably do it too. 
Fold, 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 like all the way, yeah. I mean, there's a, this notion of like, if you roll it. it there's more room. More you can room, make more room. Or like, I, yeah. I roll. It's totally, that's, that's, that's not roll. the case. Yeah, exactly. And then you can be really, really like compartmentalized and like, it's all a little, little puzzle, like in your suitcase. Yeah. Okay. Aren't you afraid that you're going to lose that bag if you're checking it? Or do you have like a separate carry-on with the, the, t- the clothes you have to have? Yeah, that's a great point. I definitely always carry, um, have a carry-on. It has my, my laptop when I'm going on business travel. And then always for sure an extra set of clothes. Because like if that does happen, oh, I'm going to be walking around with the same pair of the same suit like for like five days. Yeah, like it's, right. or just buy more stuff. But yeah, yeah for sure. Um... For uh, once, like once, uh, maybe like, yeah, like eight years ago, I, I did, but it eventually turned up, but it was, it was too late at that time. So I just like bought like a whole complete new wardrobe. Yeah. First three things you do after checking into a hotel in a new city. Oh, that's, a, that's a great question. I don't know why I don't have that. Um, lame question. So after I check in, I, I actually, well, I sort of unpack my stuff and then I, Put on a good pair of walking shoes, and then I just basically, yeah, just like walk around and explore and get a cup of coffee. Oh, you don't even stay at the hotel. Like, my, first thing I do is I look for the slippers. Yeah. Because I want to like take the shoes off for like after like traveling for like all the circulation. So long. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I mean I think it's. I feel like I don't know, especially on these trips where they're very very short. Like, the time is of the essence. And I don't want to waste anything and. Even no matter how exhausted you are, you just have to pull through, especially if you're, for example, dealing with a time change. The worst thing to do, I think, is to go to bed because Mm. then that disrupts your whole sleep cycle for the rest of the trip. So it's just to stay awake and then force yourself to to stay up and and adjust to the time on day one. Well, to follow that, how do you deal with jet lag? I'm actually pretty good with jet lag. I have to say, though, I was uh, recently in Hawaii with my family on a trip and it wasn't that long of a trip, and, and I had the worst jet lag ever. And so I actually don't know, I didn't know how to deal with it, and I was just groggy and just like, <laughs> like sleeping at like weird hours of the day. Right. Um, but no I guess, tricks. yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't really, even if I go to the Philippines, I mean, I'm kind of like ready to go um, right, right at the get go. So, yeah. Nice. Anyone else? So, working for such a prestigious hotel brand, what is your favorite Mandarin property and why? Okay. Um, I was going to say Brazil, but you said you don't have a property. We don't have any hotels in Brazil. I would say Marrakesh, which which is our our newest opening. Um, I was able to go there with my boyfriend uh, earlier this year, and it was an awesome experience. Like, it is like, it's the, the hotel itself, it's like 60 plus individual villas across like Wow. A huge expanse of, of land. Um, and you just walk in and there's like your own pool and just what? like craziness. Like how much is it per fire? night? That, this was part of the business travel aspect okay. of it. So it was leisure. This was supposed to be dabbled in a little bit of leisure. Um, but yeah, it's doubt. But it's, it was amazing. And I think most of that had to do with just the destination of Marrakesh. It's just so exotic and it transports you to this new place i mean it is unlike anything else i've ever seen and yeah and people were great and just getting lost in the medina and 
Uh, we bought like a crap load of stuff like that were like really really cheap, but at West Elm it would be like ten times the price. So we bought oh, all these gosh. pillowcases. Yeah. Nice. Um, so that yeah, that was nice. That was my favorite. Awesome. What are some things that uh, people don't know about hotels in terms of like, uh, for instance, uh, going to a hotel in Dar es Salaam, I called because it was my wife's birthday and told her we were arriving, told them we were arriving and it was her birthday. And when we got there, they had a cake, they had champagne and all kinds of things at the front desk once we checked in. Um, what are some things that maybe people don't know about these types of things? Well, I think... Well, going back to her conversation about luxury, that for sure is luxury. I mean, that's luxury you can't put like a price tag on. Just that surprise and delight. Um, there is, from an operational standpoint, huge processes with our guest relations teams. And I'm sure a lot of hotel brands do do this uh, to review all the guests that check in. And so, when there are any special requests, they mark it down and they basically like, you know, almost kind of like anticipate when that person's coming in. That's amazing. Um, I don't want to spoil this. I, mean, I don't know if this is happen, but I, I'm working re- uh, with a, an influencer right now, and we're sending him over... Well, he's going over to Paris with his fiance and um, his mother, and uh, it's for his mother's birthday, and they surprised um, her with a trip there. Nice. And uh, he's also going to you know, cover us as well. So one of the things when I met with him uh, the, other, the other week is that his mother really loves fashion. Obviously, I mean, it makes sense going to Paris and that she really loves like Coco Chanel and they're going to do all this stuff that in the city when they get there. So I automatically thought, okay, well, let's like put all the stops for this, these people. So I, I contacted our hotel team. And so when they do arrive in two weeks' time, there's going to be like a little cool Coco Chanel-inspired welcome amenity for her in the room um, just for her. So we want to ha- make, I mean, it's about that first impression. I mean, like that's, that's what's memorable. Yeah. But it's this whole kind of it's this whole powwow that happens every morning in hotels where like the front desk colleagues and the guest relations colleagues come in, they check who their VIPs are, they, you know, go over any special preferences so that the whole entire stay is just seamless and then we get to do those little surprises like that. Um, just to follow up to that question, since you mentioned that you do work with influencers, um, just curious to know how do you go about finding them? Um, are you reaching out to them? Are they reaching out to you? How do you decide who to work with and not yeah. that kind of thing? Uh, it's a great question because it's, it's very timely for us right now because, uh, you know, at, at our company, we've, we've taken really our time to get digital right. And so we're actually currently laying the groundwork for sort of a PR uh, influencer strategy. Uh, the way that we find them is the, the biggest challenge. And it's the, the biggest challenge and then in turn vetting who's the best influencer that aligns with our brand because at the end of the day they're you know they're they're advocates of of our company and so we can't just you know look at, number look at the numbers right. yeah for sure it's about engagement there are tools out there like group high that measure the engagement of each influencer and that's really important because you can have a million followers but maybe those like three quarters of those followers are just like paid followers or they're just mm-hmm. not engaging or commenting or liking photos so um that's really important uh, we always look at what do they cover? Like, do they cover travel? Do they cover uh, fashion? Do they cover you know culinary um, aspects? Um, so a lot goes goes into how we pick and choose them. And you know, there's only so many that we can host too, because there's you know at, we're also at the same time hosting media and influencers, but we're also hosting regular guests. So we have to be very 
mindful about how we allocate free rooms or discounted rooms um, and also negotiating with them as well. So um, I think for us, it's researching them through our own personal channels, like the, this influencer I was talking about that's going to Paris. He was a person that I followed for quite a while, and I just thought, well, gosh, like he's the perfect fit for our brand. Like I'm just going to reach out to him, and it just worked out in the end. Um, but it's a careful process that we go through. Uh, do you see Airbnb as a competition? And if so, how are you dealing with that type of product and that type of competition? Well, that's it's a really relevant question because Airbnb is just growing in popularity like like crazy. Um, and, I, you know, it's good. Like, I, I, I'm an Airbnb customer. I've definitely used it. Um, so I, I think there's, to me, looking at it from a luxury hospitality perspective, uh, in a way, it's almost, you know... It, different audiences, like we're, one of our core target markets for, for us as a company are, are business travelers. That's how, what we, that's how we started as a brand like back, you know, 50, 50 plus years ago in Hong Kong. That was our flagship hotel. And that for sure started out as a business oriented hotel. So we feel that for certain types of business travelers, they're always going to want to stay with us over an Airbnb. That does not to discredit Airbnbs. I mean, that's the, the concept that they've come up with is incredible. It's a great business model for them. Um, and it also kind of keeps us on our toes, too, to your question about how do we compete with that. Well, you know, it's maybe customizing maybe more of our hotel packages to be more uh, consu- customer-friendly or maybe, you know, the whole notion of Airbnb is experiential. You get to live in someone's home and, and live with the locals and, and do very localized kind of things. Well, now then we're incorporating experiential packages with our hotel rooms. So like Marrakesh, for example, it's you know, going to local Berber villages and meeting with local artisans or going, taking excursions in the Atlas Mountains. Like that type of thing kind of offsets sort of that competition from companies like Airbnb. You had mentioned before some of the surprises for the, um, was it innovators or? Sorry? The influencers. Oh, influencers, yeah, yeah. In your luxury experiences, what has been something that's been surprising for you from the rooms? Let's see. I mean, I, I have kind of a surprise. You have a surprise? Yeah. What is it? My first, <laughs> we went to Paris and, I mean, it's not really a great story. I was trying to be funny. But um, my first uh, travel experience actually was to Paris, and we opted for an Airbnb. And we get to our Airbnb, and there were no fresh towels. That was a surprise. Okay. A bad surprise. A bad surprise, yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, go on. I was trying to, like, you know, because he's thinking, so I figured I'll share something. Thank you, Mary. While I Snapchat. Oh, the, the biggest surprise. I mean... I, uh, I think it's like, I get little things, like little upgrades, I guess, you know, when you're, it's like, you know, when you're not expecting it. So, um, I, I went to Paris and I, I took my, my parents there for the first time. They've, they're, they travel a lot to Asia, but they've never been to Europe. So I said, I took them over there and I remember we went in there and, um, yeah, they just had this whole setup for us and it was like this like amazing room, um, yeah, man, you stumped me on that one. I mean, I was like, we do so much for other people, but just uh, for myself. But yeah, I think it's just like those little touches. I think everything, anything as simple as, you know, hotel staff, not even just with Man and Oriental, but at other hotels, when they just remember you and they remember your name. Like, it's a simple little thing like that. 
when you, you know you're not just like some old, some random guest that's walking in and out of the doors. It's, you know, you're a person. And, you know, hotels are supposed to be home, like your home away from home. And to be welcomed like that, I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah. I agree. Sorry, it took me a while to get that answer. <laughs> Anyone else? I think we can conclude the night. I want to say that's a first, uh, a successful first 80 Live event, if I may say so myself. Good job, Marinelle. Thank you. Marinelle, an awesome job. Thank you. And thank you guys for being here. Um, Again, this is going to be a monthly series, and I kind of wanted to make sure that this happens and that 80 stays relevant. And I guess don't forget about it because we come up quarterly. Um, So. If there's, I think there's more drinks, and I've completely forgot to mention that Broa. I don't know if you guys have been to that Portuguese restaurant. We have food from Broa tonight, tonight, right? Yeah, there's still food. So we're gonna be here for another 30 minutes. So you should not 30 minutes. Sorry, it's like 8:22. Okay. Um, go and get more food and drinks. Thank you for coming. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you. Good job. You did it. This episode was produced by 80 Magazine. 80 is a large format design-driven quarterly. Inside, you'll find the most enthralling bits of Jersey City, from profiles of local luminaries to in-depth looks at up-and-coming neighborhoods. Visit 80mag.com and follow at 80mag on Instagram and Twitter. Subscribe to 80 Profiles on iTunes and help spread the word by rating us.